For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding. Joining me today is Alain Guy, founder and CEO of Secure, a Swiss-hosted email, messenger, and VPN. To learn more about our sponsor, visit secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Alain, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So today I wanted to talk with you about business email compromise. In 2022, the FBI's IC3 received over 20,000 BEC complaints with adjusted losses over $2.7 billion. I think most of our listeners are familiar with BEC, but I was hoping before we jump in, you could actually give us a bit of an overview. And also, maybe you could touch on those numbers. That's just an incredible amount of money lost. That's, that's insane to me. And that continues more and more. So BEC, Business Email Compromise, essentially is the act of a hacker, obviously, snooping around your emails, especially business emails, because in the business world, you exchange a lot of valuable information like account numbers and wires and orders, etc. And also proprietary information. You may have a biotech firm sending back and forth email on a research they spend, you know, hundreds of millions on, and then somebody can just steal that research. So it's the act of somebody spying on your email. And then when they want to, they can strike and they essentially have all the intelligence that they gathered, who manages your backend, who manages the database, who's in charge of wiring money, I mean, anything. And BEC happens every single day to consumers and businesses. There are articles out there lately that disclose that. So it's a phenomenon that's growing. And yeah, it's a big problem. So there's a couple big BEC scams that come to mind for me anyways. Going back in time a little bit to 2019, according to Bleeping Computer, a Toyota subsidiary lost $37 million. Then in 2021, the Wall Street Journal reported hackers stole 650000 from a nonprofit. And in an article in Yahoo earlier this year that was from you guys, from Secure, it was revealed one of your clients lost $175,000 to a BEC scam. And then before we actually hit record on this podcast, we were talking about another incident. You were telling me someone who was buying a condo lost hundreds of thousands of dollars also to a BEC scam. So again, this is just astonishing to me. And maybe you could share your thoughts on how people can manage this. Obviously, you run a company, Secure, that deals with email. So I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah, so the Toyota dealership, that's a very, I hate to say, and it's sad to say, a common thing that happens. The $175,000 was actually really odd. It was the controller of a company that didn't know. An email came supposedly from their email to somebody else to wire money into somebody's account. Obviously, this is done by hackers. And that's exactly what I mean by them snooping around first in a company. I mean, 91% of all hacks start with email compromise, which means that they monitor you, they spawn you, then they know which email to fake and which bank to send to and so forth. And actually, obviously, this person was not a client before. Then after that, they switched to us. There was recently another event, I think it was in the... New York Times or, you know, one of these big New York newspaper posted it where a woman was buying a condo for $860,000. She had the deposit done and then she received an email from her lawyer, supposedly, to wire the $740,000 to a particular account to close the escrow. And essentially, that email was a fake email. So she sent the money and she lost seven hundred forty dollars 
by the time it was reported, the money and the account, I mean, everything disappeared, right? So she's suing the lawyers. So as a professional, not only you're now responsible for your own data and your own money, but you could also be liable potentially for your client's funds suddenly being sent to the wrong account. So this happens because everybody uses the same big couple email providers in the world out there. And as much as they're great companies, the problem is that there's literally millions of people who have access to the code and who build what we call APIs, integration tools, and so forth. And if you have so many people knowing how to manipulate a code, you could also have malicious hackers come in acting like legitimate developers and putting malware in it and studying the code and so forth. So the software itself is compromised and we all use those. So it's becoming a bigger problem because it's specifically those two, three big providers that have that issue because we all use them. You know, I don't want to name them here, but I think we all know who we're talking about and there's no security. The other problem too is that you have the biggest data miners in the world between those two, three providers. And when you data mine so much and you sell the data all over the place, eventually the whole system becomes weaker, the privacy is gone, and the security is becoming weaker and weaker. There was also a couple of huge hacks in 2021 called the solar wind hacks, and they stole the source code of some of these providers. The source code is like the secret formula, essentially, for a software. So that's a huge issue. That's why we do things different. That's secure. Well, what I'm hearing from you is these are conversations you're having and will unfortunately continue to have with businesses. And I think last time we were talking about how secure does cater to the enterprises, but it also caters to smaller businesses. And I think, like I said, anyone listening to us is probably already trying to be in tune with cybersecurity practices. And they're wanting to say, how do I protect myself against this? So is there a silver bullet? Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's a multi-step process. But if you're talking to a business, what are you telling them on how to protect themselves? Because surely maybe one step of that for you obviously might be, hey, come on over to Secure. Let's see what we're doing. But maybe you could give us a better overview on that and any thoughts you have. Sure. There's a couple of steps that they can take without coming to Secure. And then I'll discuss how we do things differently. First of all, limit your social media footprint and ask your employees to limit that as well. Because a lot of that information is pieced together by machines, essentially, to find out where a person works, what they do every day, and so forth, and where they bank. And a lot of the data comes from social media. So a good practice would be, you know, how we have the carbon footprint that everybody's trying to tell us to reduce it. Now you need to have your social media footprint to be reduced. It's toxic just like carbon. And that's how you have to look at it. So reduce your social media footprint. That's one thing. When you are in public places, try not to use the free Wi-Fi, even the ones with codes, because those are very weak. You're better off using your 5G from your phone. You're better off using that with a code, because when you have your streaming from your internet from your phone, you usually have to type in your own code as well. Obviously, a password manager would be great when you log into various things. And I'm going to add a VPN protection on top of that 
to protect your true IP address and protect your identity from being revealed when you go to you know, shopping site, e-banking, CRMs, and things that businesses use. So those are things that anybody can do without even coming to us. Now, what we do that's different, and when we have businesses that come to us, and even some consumers that buy a property, let's say, or they need to do something with their banking or something, what we do is we tell them to use the secure send feature on secure mail. And what is that feature? It's essentially a way to communicate from a secure user to a non-secure user. So for example, I'm gonna email my banker or my lawyer or my doctor. And as a business, I can email my supplier or whoever I'm doing business with. And it's a way for the recipient to be able to read the email, look at all the attachment and use secure reply to reply back using the same technology, the same communication tool without the recipient having to buy secure or register to an account. And the concept with everything that we do is that instead of sending the email over the open net, we actually make people log into our secure servers in Switzerland. When you click to open the mail, for example, which you can also password protect, you can read limit, you can have time expiration. If you want to have those extra protection, when you send an email, you could do that. Or you just do nothing and the recipient clicks and they're suddenly in our Swiss server environment. So none of the communication leaves that highly multiple redundant Swiss encrypted environment. That's the secret. And of course, we don't use open source coding. We have our own encryption technology, which will layer multiple versions of it on top of high encryption technology that's out there like 256 AES or 2048 bit for transfer. But on top of that, we layer several encryption layers of our own, which are not open source. So we're the only ones who know how to build that essentially and, and how it works. That's also a big thing because if everybody knows the secret sauce, everybody can mess up with it. If nobody has a secret formula, whatever you produce is better protected. This is the same with encryption. So if you're a business, and you send anything from a contract to wire payment, etc. we recommend using Secure Send and have the recipient using Secure Reply. It comes with a product and you can have it on the webmail or on the app. So that's basically what we do. I use it all the time. And also another convenient thing is that you can add a lot of attachment because you'll notice that most email providers won't let you have more than 30 megabytes to be transferred in an email. This eliminates this. So if you're a real estate broker, if you send a lot of these big brochures or what have you, this is a great way to send an email with your attachment. And if you're a business, we tell you, just use Secure Send when you communicate outside of your company. That's also a great way to kind of reduce the email phishing. If you have a policy of only using Secure Send, Secure Reply, then your email phishing is going to be quasi-non-existent. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Secure Private Data Limited is a cybersecurity and internet privacy provider of Swiss-hosted solutions for secure and private communications. The company distributes a suite of encrypted emails, secure messengers, secure VPN, and other secure communication tools. Secure's privacy solutions serve consumers, businesses, and governments worldwide. 
offering a 100% Swiss-hosted private communications platform, no data mining, and no big tech hosting. Secure has been putting data privacy back in consumers' hands since 2007. Learn more at secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And now, back to the podcast. Well, Alan, I have a piece of research here from Deloitte. They found that 91% of all cyber attacks begin with a phishing email. I kind of wanted to ask you how this is possible. I mean, I guess I'm not super surprised, but it definitely is an astounding statistic. So maybe you could explain a bit about what this means and any thoughts you have, obviously. Yes, that's a true stat. Essentially, what it means is that first, the hackers spy on you, you know, just collecting intelligence and data. They know your habits. They know who you communicate with. They know the subjects. The subjects is important because, for example, let's say you're waiting for a package from, I'm not going to name brands, but those couriers. And then you get an email supposedly from a courier that tells you click here to check your package. That's a classic one. Or you're going to get an invoice, a fake invoice from a supposedly a supplier of yours. How do they know that you're dealing with that person? When they send the invoice and you click on it, then there's malware. That's another classic. That's why we say you have to use the secure send, secure reply. But essentially, it's intelligence gathering, sometimes for several months. And just out of the blue, suddenly you get hacked and you wonder what happened. Well, for all that time, the hacker was spying on you and monitoring all your communication. It's like warfare. You know, where you collect intelligence and like in World War II, or for example, you had the you know, Enigma machine and the U-boats and all these kind of things. And well, now this is what's happening in the cyber world. And that's how they can essentially hack every business they want. Alan, is this just about money? And what I'm trying to say by that is there's a lot of headlines out there. We went over some news articles before, and there are a lot of big numbers thrown around with how much money is lost. But I'm almost thinking about intellectual property, other sensitive materials from a company. Just give us the landscape. Is there more at risk with a business email compromise scam than just, okay, yeah, we did a mistaken wire transfer and now we lost 200000 which is obviously still devastating, especially considering if it's a small business and maybe it's only one person or a couple people. But I'm trying to think about the bigger picture, a company protecting maybe engineering documents or drawings, other things that these bad actors can steal through these scams. Absolutely. I mentioned it sometime in some of my appearances on TV that this is about stealing. And a lot of it comes from overseas when it comes to the U.S. This is about stealing the entire intellectual property, the billions of dollars that are spent in research in the U.S. by private and public companies. And it comes to money at the end, obviously, because if you can save yourself as a country or as a company several billion dollars of research and steal just your competitors, that's also going to save you money. There's several layers. There's the basic, you know, somebody steals 100 grand from you. That's one. Then it goes higher up. Intellectual property, spying on your formula, stealing your research. The layer slightly above that is you may have a company in a different country that will steal medical research, for example, then make cheap version of that medicine to sell it right back to the U.S. That's an example. And then there's also military and, you know, defense department, and they've been hacked too. I'm sure you read about it. So anything that these countries or corporations can steal, they will. 
it boils down to money lost and productivity lost. It crosses into geopolitical issue. You have countries that are fighting now these commercial blocks, these trade blocks that are being formed. We read about it and we watch in the news that these trading blocks are being formed between nations. So you have the so-called rogue one and the good ones or whichever. But these nations are also vying for your research and your intellectual property. So you may have a state that doesn't care about your $200,000, but they're going to care about later state-of-the-art technology or a biology type thing, you know, medical, that a company funded by the government and private equity, they develop this thing and then another company from another country just steals it. We've had biotech clients that have had issues and that's why they buy our product and they're more careful now. So yeah, it's crazy. Alan, I appreciate you joining me today and also sharing a bit about the big picture because yeah, as you say, there's a lot at stake sometimes more than just money, but obviously it's also a huge problem in of itself. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding. Joining me today was Alan Gai, founder and CEO of Secure, a Swiss-hosted email, messenger, and VPN. To learn more about our sponsor, visit secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. You can keep up with all of our media at cyberkimagazine.com. 